Save a little more this month. Chime checking accounts have features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and no monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at chime.com slash goals 24. Banking services debit card provided by Bancorp, Bank NA, or Stride Bank NA. Members of FDIC. SpotMe eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Roberts. And as always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Roberts. And here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard, college baseball season, regular season is nearly over. We'll preview the Tennessee series. Uh, later this week, that's going to be a real challenge for Mississippi State, as you guys uh, are well aware. The Bulldogs really have their backs against the wall, and, uh, and there's still a possibility they could make Hoover, but uh, those chances are pretty pretty dire when you consider the quality of competition headed to Duty Noble Field this weekend. Not in any way to suggest that Mississippi State's not capable of winning the series. I mean, Kentucky won two out of three just a couple weekends ago in Lexington, uh, but this is a Tennessee team that's playing exceptionally well. Uh, before we move into pre, uh, to recapping the North Alabama game, let's look at some basketball news. You know, you guys, those of you that are jeanspage.com subscribers, you're not really surprised about some of the recent developments. Uh, our Paul Jones did an excellent job kind of keeping people abreast of what's going on. And Paul's been hinting for a few weeks that uh, he felt that Shaquille Moore and DJ Jeffries would eventually remove their name from the NCAA transfer portal. Well, that's happened. That's happened. Shaquille did it several days ago, and then DJ Jeffries uh, on Monday announced that he would be returning. And so taking a quick look at maybe last year's roster, some of the scholarship guys that uh, you're somewhat familiar with, uh, Rocket Watts not returning, and that's something Paul reported basically toward the end of last year, not to expect Rocket back, and he is in the portal. Iverson Molinar did enter the NBA draft and is now signed with an agent, so he won't be back. Javian Davis, the former Alabama transfer, uh, now back in the portal again, looking for another opportunity. Uh, Cameron Matthews has already announced that he'd be back. And, and Cam Matthews is kind of that grunt guy. I think a lot of Mississippi State people really kind of identify with Cam. Not necessarily the most talented scorer, but a guy that really gives you good minutes, a great defender, a guy that does a lot of the grunt work. A lot of little things that kind of make a basketball team move forward. Cam Carter, of course, has moved on. Uh, Garrison Brooks has exhausted his eligibility. Anderson Garcia also uh, has moved on. DJ Jeffries is back. As I mentioned, Derek Fountain now headed down to LSU. What a mess that's going to be at LSU. Uh, and, and that's not any, uh, in any way an indictment on Derek. It's just a situation down there looks to be pretty uh, pretty dicey, shall we say, with this NCAA investigation beginning to wind down. Uh, Justin Rumpf, a walk-on from Birmingham, Alabama, product of Hoover High School and uh, Southern Union State Community College, has announced that he'll return to Mississippi State uh, next year. And of course, Tolo Smith, that's probably the biggest piece, you know, getting him back. I'm excited about men's basketball season, excited on the women's side too. But, uh, you know, here's the deal. You know, Chris Jans, I think, was the perfect fit for us. If you look at uh, you know, his career, his pedigree, kind of his path to Starkville, in many ways, it kind of is the Mississippi State story. This is a guy that in many ways has been discounted uh, by many of the national folks. But uh, here's the deal. You know, Chris Jans is a guy that's gotten more out of less 
throughout his career. And I think he'll do that here. I think he'll have the ability to recruit at a higher level, perhaps, than he has at any point in his career. And I think we're going to play a pretty exciting brand of basketball this year. Now, what kind, what's our team look like this year? I think that, that kind of remains to be seen. Uh, Paul Jones uh, does the, the biscuits uh, five days a week, and uh, four days a week, excuse me. Uh, and a lot of that is just, uh, you know, team news, but also, too, basketball recruiting along with some football stuff, too. And Paul says there's two spots left in this class. And so the state's still kind of tracking a couple transfer possibilities. And if you want those updates, you need to subscribe at jeanspage.com. We'll kind of let you know what's going to happen generally before it happens. And, uh, you know, batting average is really, really good. Uh, we do the bones, too. I do those. Those are always football recruiting. And uh, with, with college baseball winding down, I'll be full-time football and football recruiting basically until college baseball begins again, uh, here, you know, in February. So – We'll do some fall baseball scrimmages and things like that, but the reality of it is is that uh, there's a lot of inside information at times that you need to know, and we believe we always have it over jeanspage.com. And we're not 100%, but the uh, reality of it is is that, again, this is a situation here that jeanspage.com subscribers have been expecting because of the reporting that we've done on the website. And, uh, again, you know, Paul has a real passion for men's basketball, and, uh, you know, I can tell you from talk, having some conversations with Paul – you know, based on, you know, he recently had a, a you know, one-on-one interview with Chris Jans, kind of talking some basketball. I, I can tell you there is a lot of optimism among people that really love Mississippi State men's basketball, that we have, number one, made the right hire, but number two, that we are going to be trending in a much more exciting direction here sooner rather than later. And I think getting those guys back is important. You know, these are guys that are familiar with what it takes to, uh, to compete in a Southeastern Conference. And uh, they could be interesting pieces. You know, DJ's a guy, too, that at times plays out of control. But, you know, what does he look like in the framework of Christian's system? You know, he will find a role for that guy. And I think DJ's a guy, too, that could find his niche in this system. And at the end of the day, I think it's, you look back and now you start feeling, you know, hey, we've got enough pieces back. We're, we're doing well in the portal. We've got a good recruiting class coming in, so it's not like we're just kind of starting fresh. And there were a lot of people that was kind of the fear, you know, when we announced a hire and all these guys go in the portal. But now you're starting to see some of those guys come back and some other guys that you know, from the very beginning just decided, you know what, I'm going to stay and stick this thing out and see how things go. So I, there's a lot of optimism, let's just say that. And I think that's well-placed. I really do. I'm excited. I, I really am. And there have been some years, obviously, that I have gone into men's basketball season not very hopeful. You know, last year I was very hopeful. I thought we definitely had an NCAA tournament team. We just never quite got there. But, uh, again, we make a coaching change. I think we're on the right path. I really do. And uh, so, again, come check us out at jeanspage.com. You'll be glad you did. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I'm a big fan of Bulldog Burger Company, and I was long before they were sponsors of this show. I was a patron of that fine establishment before they sponsored the Boneyard. Uh, very grateful that they do. But I tell you this, it's so great to partner with a winning organization. And that's really the case, the Bulldog Burger Company. I have so many people that uh, reach out and say, hey, Steve, I'd never tried Bulldog Burger Company. And I always heard you talk about it on the show, gave it an opportunity. And now it is a regular dining event for us. I just had somebody yesterday say, hey, I w- went to the Ridgeland, Flowood, Central Mississippi location. Great food, great service. Not the least bit surprised. Ian Few doing a great job. Uh, down there at that location. That's a guy that knows the Bulldog Burger Company story really, really well. Uh, three great locations to serve you. University Drive, Drive here in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and, of course, 
that Lake Harbor Drive when they're in central Mississippi. Be sure and go check them out. You'll be glad you did. Have the spring rolls as your appetizer. They will make you better looking. It's science. I mean, they're, sometimes I'll eat them. And I look in the rearview mirror. I don't even I look 20 years younger. And I'm a young-looking guy as it is. Forget the gray in the beard. I look young. No matter what anybody tells you, we both look great. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's talk about this North Alabama baseball game. You know, I'm not going to be the self-loathing Mississippi State guy, but it could be the last game we win this year. Could be. State now, uh, what, a game under 500. We're going to have to win this series to get to 500. And that's the thing, too. You start thinking about how deep we got to go in the tournament. I mean, you you got to be 500 uh, to make the show. So, uh, we'll see how things progress. But, uh, again, just one day at a time. State wins the ball game last night 14-4. to uh, Let's break it down for you. We'll get started. Cole Cheatham was the starter. And uh, Cole just got a lot of the plate early on. And it's not like he went out there and walked the ballpark. But, um, you know, he was the guy that was, uh, you know, around the plate. They knew it. They jumped on some pitches, give them some credit. They made things very difficult. And Cole's been good for us. He really has been. You know, early in the year, he, he was out for – a variety of reasons. We're beginning to kind of see some things happen for him. And, you know, the thing that I go back to, there are a lot of people out there and say, oh, this team has just quit. There's no way Cole Cheatham is quitting. The guy's been dying to get on the field the entire year, and it's his first collegiate start. You know, the guy's going to go out there and give you his best effort. It didn't work out the way he or we had hoped. But I've got high hopes for this young man. This is a guy, too. You remember that that nightmare of a game in Missouri. It was Cole Cheatham that goes in there and kind of shuts people down and then had a you know, a couple of really good performances after that. So I, I, my hopes are high for him. Hopefully we get him for a full year next year, and I think that he's a guy that can really help us. But, uh, you know, last night, and again, not the way that he wanted to start, uh, gives up a single back up to middle on a 2-2 count. Then, again, we get a 1-2 count on Thrasher, and it's a fly out center field. And then Holman, a 1-0 count, singles back up the middle, chases to run home. Daniel walks on a full count. Hudson singles the first pitch he sees in the left field, chases in another one, makes it 2-0. Singewald, 0-2, we catch too much of the plate here. He singles back up the middle. That loads the bases. We get Cook to strike out looking, and you think, okay, we've got a chance to get out of this thing. Let's go get in the dugout. And again, it's a two-strike count. Another lengthy at bat. Uh, goes all the way to a full count here, and then we give up a single right down the right field line to score two more, makes it 4 nothing. So, again, I look at this. You know, we're getting ahead of hitters. We're not getting into a lot of disadvantaged counts, but uh, they were. we were looking to get ahead. They were jumping on some early pitches and counts, taking some very aggressive swings. Sometimes it worked out, sometimes it didn't. Uh, but he leaves down 4 nothing, just pitches two-thirds of an inning. That may be a bigger issue if we were playing Tennessee. We are playing North Alabama, so we knew we were going to score some runs, and Chris Salomonis kind of said as much in postgame. I think we all knew we'd be able to score. Uh, Drew Talley comes on. And I thought, you know, Drew is a guy, too, it has been up and down a little bit, too, but more up than down as of late. He gets a one pitch out there. Jensen grounds out to Cam, and I think Cam's played pretty well defensively this year, too. Cam James sometimes a convenient target by some of our fans. I'm a Cam James fan. Has he had the power and RBI numbers this year than, that you expected? Probably not. But his batting average is up. And what is he, nine home runs right now? He's one away from double digits. Maybe he can get one this weekend. 
But uh, my hope is Cam James comes back, and whether that means playing an outfield spot or back at third. I mean, I think Cam James is a guy that can help us. All right, bottom one. We go right to work here. RJ walks a lengthy at bat here. We work for the brace on balls. And then there's a four-pitch walk to Luke Hancock. So right out of the gate, you got two men on and nobody out. Logan Tanner strikes out swinging. And then Hines walks. Now the bases are loaded. Again, that's the maturation of Hunter Hines. You got a guy that's struggling. Don't bail him out. We fouled a couple of pitches off on a full count. And then ultimately got a pitch down uh, to walk to load the bases. Brad Cumbus then reaches on a fielder's choice. He grounds at the second, to short, excuse me, and there's not much of a chance of doubling uh, Brad unless it's a really well-hit baseball. But uh, the run scores, makes it 4-1. Cumbison takes second on a wild pitch. And then Kellum Clark, another guy that sometimes is kind of a convenient villain. But you, people forget he hit five home runs last year. Look at his numbers this year. That guy's made a jump. But he will make another one next year. He doubles down the left field line, two runs scores. now a 4-3 ball game. Cam James... Works the count again, and there's a walk. Then Jess Davis walks. You know, you get you get five walks in an inning. You generally score a lot. We did. Forsythe, Lane Forsythe, comes up with a clutch base hit here with the bases loaded. And we talk about that all the time, getting the clutch base hit. That's been, you know, a bit of a struggle for Mississippi State. And here's Lane Forsythe uh, really taking one the other way. And when you want to look at Lane Forsythe and you want to look at his numbers – and you want to look at when things began to take off for him because he has been an excellent defensive shortstop for us, and now the offensive piece is beginning to come around. When he stopped trying to pull everything, the game changed for him. He's working middle and away, and there's a great situation here. Again, he doubles to right center, and all three runs score makes it a 6-4 ball game. R.J. Yeager hits for the second time in the inning, and he singles to right field and lane scores. Now it's a 7-4 game, and then Luke rolls over one to the second baseman, uh, to end the inning. 7-4. So, 11 runs scored in that first inning. And I'm thinking right then, we're kind of talking to press box. Guys, we're going to be here for a while. Well, Drew Talley doing his best to get us home before 10. He gets Harper to fly out to center field. Thrasher strikes out looking. We give up a single to Holman here. And then Daniel singles down the third baseline. Um, maybe we should have made that play. I mean, it's just one of those kind of in-between plays you look at. and You hope you can make that play. It didn't work out for us. But then he gets Hudson the ground back out to Cam. Cam throws across the field clean, makes it a 7-4 game midway through the second. Okay, they make a pitching change here, and North Alabama basically used this as a pitching staff, Johnny Holstaff-type day to get some guys some work. A lot of younger guys doing this ball game for them. Uh, Logan Tanner strikes out swinging, second time. Uh, Heinzen flies out at center field, and Cumbus grounds out to third. So it looks like the pitching change was good for the Lions, because after two, the score holds. Top of three, Tally really good here. Gets a one, two, three, very efficient inning. Uh, Singwald flies out to left. Cook strikes out looking, and then Thomas strikes out swinging. Bottom of third, Clark grounds out the first unassisted. Then Cam singles through the left side. Really hit that baseball well. Got on top of it. It's a ground ball, but it's kind of a screamer between uh, the left side infielders. Not much chance to make a play there. Davison flies out to right. Cam takes second, and they throw the ball away, gets the third. So Lane with a chance here to get another uh, two-out RBI. Doesn't come through here. We strike out looking. Uh, still a 7-4 ball game. So after the 11 runs in the first two innings, it's scoreless for the next few. Cam Teller comes in to pitch for Drew, and part of that, too, is just preservation of Drew. Drew's going to throw this weekend. 
Cam comes in, does a nice job for us. One, two, three inning here. We get Jensen looking. Harper grounds to short. Thrasher grounds out to third. Bottom of four. We get a leadoff double from RJ, but we don't do anything with it. You know, you're not going to come through all the time, but, you know, you wish we'd come through with a little more regularity. They make another pitching change, bring in Will Morris, and he gets uh, the first three hitters he sees. Hancock flies out to short, short left field, and the shortstop runs that down. LT flies out uh, to short right, second baseman runs that down. Really a nice play, a diving catch there just outside of the bullpen. And then Hines strikes out swinging. So good sequence there for Will Morris. Not really a great segment for the two, three, four uh, hitters in the Bulldog order. All right, top of five. Cam Tuller still in the game. We give up a leadoff single, and then Daniel lines out to right. Hudson strikes out swinging. The runner goes here, and it looked like we threw him out. They call him safe. They review it. They say he's safe. I didn't see enough on replay to overturn. And then we get Sinjual to strike out swinging. All right, bottom five. State expands the lead a little bit here. Combus flies out uh, to the second baseman down the right field line. And this may be the play, I remember. It's a sliding catch there. LT's may have just been uh, a little can of corn out there to short right. Uh, Kellum Clark, then a lengthy at bat, really works the count well here. Spoils some pitches and then gets the walk. Cam James pops up to the catcher in foul territory. They make another pitching change. Uh, bring in Lundgren. He immediately hits uh, Jess Davis. I guess five pitches into the AB, AB there and then walks Forsyth. So now all of a sudden the bases are loaded. We've got a chance to really, really break this thing open. They bring in Eminer and he walks Jaeger, forces in the run, and then Luke strikes out swinging. You know, a big hit there gives us some separation here in the middle innings. And you say, well, four innings is, I mean, four runs is four runs. Yes, but this is uh, North Alabama. You'd like to be able to execute a little more proficiently. Uh, here, especially in a midweek game. All right, top of the sixth. Cam still dealing pretty good here. Cook singles up the middle. We get a strikeout swinging of Thomas, and Jensen grounds into a 5-4-3 double play, triggered by Cam James. All right, bottom of the sixth. This is when State kind of removes all doubt. LT singles to center field on a 2-0 count and really blistered that baseball. I mean, really hit that baseball well. And that's the thing, when, I, when LT is really rolling, to me, it's not when he's hitting the home runs. And I know he's a guy that has some power. He led us in home runs last year with 15. I think he has seven so far this year. But when LT is really rolling, he's, he's working gaps, gaps to gap. He's a guy that works the middle of the field, and he blistered this baseball. Uh, Hines in doubles to left center, and LT goes to third. And then Brad Compass with a big blow here, hits a three-run bomb to left center. You talk about a guy that's taking a jump. It's incredible. It's now 11-4 to four state. Kellum Clark walks again. That's a sign of a maturing hitter. You get all emotional and you think, hey, man, the season's over. We're already up seven runs. Let me just swing for the fences here. But instead, I'm not going to get up here and chase pitches. We had an aggressive swing on a 2-0 count. We fouled that one back, but ultimately get the walk. Cam James, again, singles to the left side. Almost, almost a replay of the hit the previous at bat. Just gets on top of the baseball, rifles it in the left field, uh, sends Kellum to second. Davis strikes out swinging. Forsyth strikes out swinging. I mean, you hate to see that. And both of those strike three swings were just not competitive. I mean, and I was very frustrated at the time, too. I mean, it's like you don't, you never want to see bad baseball. And, and Jess and Lane have both had some big moments for us, probably Lane more so than Jess. But uh, you want to see quality at bats. Neither one of these really were.
but it's part of it. You know, it's, I mean, it's not like it's going to change at this point. Um, of course, Yeager didn't get the uh, single, the shortstop to load the bases, and then Hancock comes through with a big two-out base hit here. Really single back up the middle. Really nice, nice lick here, too. Wasn't like it was one that just kind of bled through. The ball was rifled back up the middle. A uh, couple runs score here to make it 13-4. to four. And then uh, LT pops up to the third baseman. All right, so 13-4 to four now after six. Top of seven, Mikey Tepper comes in to get some work in place of Cam Taller. And again, Cam Taller did a good job. Uh, Harper walks, lengthy at bat here. And then Thrasher grounds into a double play on the very next pitch. And then Holman strikes out looking. So, yes, we do get the leadoff walk, but uh, pretty efficient pitching uh, shortly thereafter. Bottom of seven, Hines flies out to center. Cumbiston singles through the right side. Took that ball the other way. Again, nice job of stealing. He tries, excuse me, nice job of hitting. He tries to steal second and is thrown out. And uh, good effort there. But, yeah, he was out. Really nice throw from the catcher. And then Clark hits an absolute blister of a ball right at the second base. But, in that, you know, he's had some tough luck this year, too. I mean, there are times that Kellum Clark gets the case of the Adam balls. And that's really been here the last couple of weeks, even though he's had some hits. There's some balls. His, his outs are still loud. That's encouraging to me. A top of eight, Daniel lines out to right. Then Hudson doubles down the right field line. Singwald grounds out to second. Hudson takes third. But we strand him there as Cook grounds out to first to, uh, to retire the side. A bottom eight, State walks it off here. Cam James opens with a walk. And then, hey, Braylon Skinner, who entered the game in place of Jess Davis a little bit earlier in the ball game. Gets down 0-2 in the count, but then, you know, rifles one in the left, takes it the other way, really hit the ball with some authority. Cam goes around the third. Leggett then walks to load the bases. And I thought we had a couple of, uh, you know, home run swings here. But, you know, here's the deal. With a runner at third, I'm just trying to get something I can elevate. Give me a routine fly ball to left, and this game is over. So, you know, I know he's trying to be a good situational hitter here. And the good thing is he doesn't chase. We get to a 2-2 count, and he gets back-to-back balls out of the zone. So it walks to load the bases, and you feel like here with nobody out, no matter what Jaeger does other than a pop-out on the infield or a strikeout, we ought to be able to score the run. And he gives one a ride to deep center field. The runner tags and scores, and State wins uh, 14-4. All right, let's look inside the numbers here. And, you know, again, outside of that first inning – Hi, Bulldog fans. Our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season. It's concert season. It's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort, so no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tecovas 
Boots.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Yeah, state pits it pretty well. You know, and you said, well, Steve, it's North Alabama. Yes, it is. But at the end of the day, I just like the fact these guys are throwing strikes. And, you know, just two walks on a night. Just two walks. And that's been our issue, too. Regardless of who we play, we've kind of walked our way into some, into some, some adversity here. And Cole, even though he had the bad first inning, just the one walk there. And that was, again, after a lengthy at bat. So 35 pitches for him. And, again, his, the better days for Cole Cheatham are ahead of us. I, I, I'm, I've seen enough of him to realize he's a guy that's going to be able to help us. Uh, Drew Talley, credited with the win, works two and a third innings, allows just two hits, no runs, no walks, three Ks. you got to love that, 26 pitches, too. So he hadn't hurt himself, basically serves as a bullpen. Cam Tuller, then, three innings, two hits, no runs, no walks, four Ks. And that's been, you know, kind of the, you know, up and down nature of Cam Tuller, you know. And again, maybe this is a level that he can consistently compete. But, you know, when he's able to throw his breaking ball for a strike, and when you got a guy throwing 90-91 from the left side, and then he can throw that breaking ball for a strike, it's able to keep people off that fastball. Sometimes that fastball flattens out a little bit. But uh, when Cam has the complimentary pitch, he is a guy that can be a real piece for us. The problem is, is that he can't always harness that breaking ball and he ends up walking guys. He didn't last night. Uh, Mikey Tepper, two innings pitch, allows the one hit and the one walk after a lengthy at bat, uh, 25 pitches for him. So he'll be available for the weekend as well. So nobody's burned. Everybody that pitched last night should be able to go this weekend should we need them, and I suspect we will. All right, um, State walked 11 times last night. And, you know, some of that, too, is, uh, you know, that Bradshaw kid, I think, would have walked the ballpark if we had let him. Let him. He, he walked seven of the 11. Excuse me, five of the 11. Uh, so, a lot of that happens very early in the ball ballgame. Uh, but the reality of it is, is we took care of business. Now, looking at the, the hitting side of things, and we'll go ahead and do it now. Let's uh, award our Prime Shrimp Player of the Game Award to R.J. Yeager. R.J. Yeager. And Prime Shrimp, always a hit with you and your family. If you haven't tried them, go to primeshrimp.com. You'll be glad you did. Four great flavors to choose from. I like them all. 
I am probably a little more partial to the French Quarter Alfredo because of the fact, you know, I can warm up some fettuccine noodles, and next thing you know, I've got, uh, you know, French Quarter quality cuisine on my dinner table. The cool thing about it is you order from them. It's a very well-packaged situation where they send you the box of shrimp. Uh, it's very well cooled, so it can, it can afford to sit outside in the Mississippi heat, even in the summertime for a day. Uh, it'll be okay. Your f- food's not going to spoil on you. And you do get a money-back guarantee as well. If you don't like it, you get your money back. How many, how many food companies are going to do that for you? Uh, be sure and check them out today. They are a New Orleans-based shrimp company. This ha- handy little pouch will show up. Very well packaged, easy to store in your freezer. Doesn't take up a ton of room. But it's already peeled, deveined, and no tails. It's ready to cook. So there's no prep and cleanup like there would be for normal store-bought shrimp. Uh, but again, R.J. Yeager, your prime shrimp player of the game, uh, visit them at primeshrimp.com and use promo code BONEYARD to save a few bucks on your order. R.J. Yeager, a three-for-three three night, uh, including the game-winning RBI. He had three RBI and two walks. And so this is a guy that got on base five times last night. Pretty productive night from the Bulldog leadoff hitter. Luke Hancock then one for four with two RBIs. Logan Tanner one for five. Not a great night for LT, but that's okay. Hunter Hines one for four. Brad Cumbus, two for five, had the big three-run bomb, four RBIs for him. Kellum Clark then, uh, one of three, but also had a couple of walks. He scored all three times he reached base. Cameron James, two for three, scored three runs. Uh, Jess Davis, 0 for two. Uh, Braywin Skinner, of course, had the one for one. And then Lane Forsythe, one for three with the big knock early on to give State the lead. A bases-clearing double gives him three RBI on the night. State struck out just seven times. Left just eight on base. All of those numbers you can uh, usually live with. But uh, the exciting thing is being very efficient. 13 hits, 14 runs. And, of course, uh, those 11 walks certainly contributed to every bit of that. So, State plays a team that they should dominate. They do. I talked to Chris Simonis in postgame. You know, Chris said, hey, it's always so much better to to win than to lose. And uh, that snaps, of course, State's uh, losing streak. Makes the Bulldog record 26-27. and 27. We never expected it to be in this point, but here we are needing to take the series to finish at 500. And then you probably got to get in a situation where you uh, go on a nice run in the, in the SEC tournament just to finish above 500. So, you know, we're staring a losing season right in the face. That's just kind of the reality of life. Can't sugarcoat it. I can't make it any better or any worse than what it is. And it is what it is. And it's not great. It's not. And uh, I wrote an article yesterday. Maybe you're somewhat familiar with this. I wrote a piece yesterday uh, called Do You Know Me? And it's really kind of a game of sorts. I took 10 players in the last 10 years that have made like a big jump, like heading into their junior year, and kind of went from how they started. Because right now we look at some of these guys and you think, well, okay, you know, we don't have much coming back. But we do. And I think, hey, I think there's a good chance – that some of these guys that are draft eligible with two years of eligibility actually are back on the team next year, which would be good for Mississippi State. Old wins in this league. And I think there are some guys, too, that would like a little measure of redemption. Now, money talks. That's the reality of life. And so if the money is right and they're ready to write the big check, these guys are going to go. I expect Kellum Clark to be back. I think there's a chance that Luke Hancock is back. I think Cam James could be back if he didn't get what he wants. And I've told he's got a number in mind because he does have some leverage. So getting those guys back and then working the portal and getting some guys in could make a big difference. But really, you know, the next step for us as a program is going to come from some of these guys taking the next step. 
that's kind of the reality of life is kind of making sure that we have some guys that get better and guys do get better. You know, I looked at the numbers yesterday. Let me just point a couple of these things out to you. You guys remember Jared Parks? Remember him? Bubba Parks on Twitter? Uh, I'm a Jared Parks fan. I was back then too, but kind of looking at some numbers here, I think it's interesting to go back and just kind of look at from whence we've came. So, Jared Parks played for us in 2009 and hit 182. 182. Didn't play in 2010. And then nearly wins the SEC batting champion. I don't think he won it that year, but he ended up with a 363 average. And he nearly set an SEC record with a hit streak. That We had the uh, Ole Miss official score screw Jared Parks twice. It was two smashes he hit through infielders. And they charged him with errors. Ordinarily, it would have been a hit. Uh, but the uh, guy had a great career for us. And nobody saw that coming. Heading into the 2011 season, you didn't expect anything from Jared Parks. You didn't expect him to start. You didn't expect him uh, to be a very skilled hitter for us. And then, hey, we go to that Super Regional down there in Gainesville. And the um, guy did a great job for us. Did a great job. But uh, that's another one. And, uh, you know, looking at, you know, Hunter Infro. Remember, even a lot of Bulldog fans were even saying this guy was a bust, you know, his second year in. He came from a small school, took him a little while to get caught up, but he did. And Hunter Renfro, too, played, you know, in that first generation of BB Core bats. And so there wasn't a lot of home runs hit. But through his first two seasons at Mississippi State, he had a grand total of four home runs. He ends up being an All-American and a first-round draft pick after a huge, huge, huge uh, junior year. And so we'll see how things progress. But there are some guys out there that are going to get better. And you make a lot of your improvements in the summertime uh, and in the fall, you know, when uh, the scores don't make the paper. So we'll see how things progress. But, you know, I'm confident in this staff. I'm confident uh, in these players. And, again, we need more of them. You know, we need some guys to get better. And we need some good guys to come here and be a part of this. Uh, But this is not going to be a trend. I expect Mississippi State to be right back in the NCAA tournament next year. I think there are a lot of people, too, that have gotten kind of a dose of humility. And I think you understand, too, really the balance of power is so fragile. And that's really why you commend guys like Dave Van Horn. You know, they've done such a good job here in recent years. But uh, let's not forget, in 2016, you know, the Arkansas Razorbacks were dead last in the SEC West. And you recall, we swept them the final weekend to clinch the SEC championship. You know, they were they were not in contention. It was us and and um, and Texas A&M, but it wasn't a great year <laughs> for Arkansas. And then they bounced right back and uh, have been great ever since. But, you know, it, it happens to the best of us at some point. You don't like it when it's happening to us, but the reality of it is you go back and you look and you begin to think, you know, hey, at some point we all get a turn on the uh, on the frustration train, Arkansas in 2016 was seven and 23 in the conference and posted a losing record 26 and 29. Awful. That year, Auburn eight and 22 in the SEC and 23 and 33 overall. You know, just a couple of years later, those guys were in Omaha. You know, same thing for Arkansas, and so it can go south very quickly and it can turn around very quickly, very quickly. And so we'll see how things go. We'll see how things progress. But the reality of it is, is this is where we are right now. We're looking forward 
uh, to next year. But, man, wouldn't it be great if we could find a way to play a little more baseball? It absolutely would be. Not optimistic about that, but uh, I thought about that last night when I was driving home. You know, I keep every one of my media credentials, no matter where I travel, whether it be a single game or a, an all-star game, I keep them all. My little souvenirs, I guess, of my past. And I thought about that last night as I was taking my credential off to get in the car. I said, I'm, I'm going to take this credential off just a couple more times this year. And it makes me kind of sad. It really does. It's the last baseball credential I'll probably be issued this year. I even joked last night. I even think about stringing for somebody just so I can go to Hoover because I'm not ready for college baseball season to end. But, you know, it's been a tough one. It really has been. And I've just found no benefit and then taking the adversity and the bitterness of the season and spreading that. It's just, you know, I can call a spade a spade and say, hey, this is the reality of our situation and still uh, support Mississippi State. And at the end of the day, you know, some folks don't know how to really share or verbalize their frustration in what many consider a healthy way, but we all want the same thing, and that is for Mississippi State to win and Mississippi State to win big. I know that's what I want. I know it's what you want. And I believe next year we're going to be back in a situation where we can have some winning baseball and uh, compete into an NCAA tournament. And then we'll see what happens kind of beyond that. All right, let's thank our friend Blair Chandler at CloseWithBlair.com. Recently informed me, top 1% close ratio back-to-back years. How about that? So it wasn't a fluke. It's a trend. So he was among the nation's elite last year. He's among the nation's elite this year. You know, no rebuilding year for Blair Chandler. You can visit Blair at CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair, a mortgage professional to say the least. And there are a lot of people out there competing for your mortgage lending business. There are a lot of loan officers out there. Work with a mortgage professional. 21 years of experience in the industry got its license to practice in multiple states. And maybe you're at the borrower that says, you know what, Steve, I've tried a lot of traditional lending opportunities and just hadn't worked out for me. Give Blair a chance to help you. Many people are overextended these days, have a lot of revolving credit card debt, would like to be able to kind of get off that train, consolidate that down to one monthly payment, stop living paycheck to paycheck. Maybe you made a mistake and lived above your means and now you're paying for it. Let's get that corrected and get back on track with a nice refi today. Or maybe you're looking to own a home for the first time. Maybe you don't know much about the process. You need an experienced guy like Blair Chandler to help you through that. Give Blair a text or call today at 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. And that's his personal cell number. That's not going to some office desk or uh, some receptionist or an 800 number. That's going directly to him. And if you mentioned to him, you heard about him on the barnyard, he's going to pay for your appraisal. It's about a $500 value. How cool is that? Outstanding, right? There's so much out there in life that people say, well, hey, well, we'll give you this if you give us this. I mean, the fact that Bears, Blair's willing to pay for your appraisal says a lot about his desire to have your business. Again, that's closewithblair.com. All right, we didn't do an album list on Monday. And you guys appear to like these album lists. The live album list was... Uh, didn't get top 10, but it's a top 20 list for us. How about that? So I'm going back to one of my favorite bands in the 80s. And I know some of you young bucks are thinking, I'll go ahead and hit fast forward now. Well, here's the thing. I think you're doing yourself a disservice. The band is great white. I've met these guys, uh, Mark Kendall, 
the guitar player, lead guitar player from Greg White's in recovery. He and I have had uh, multiple conversations about recovery. I remember a time on the Let It Rock tour back in 1996. I met those guys at a bar in Lafayette, Louisiana. And uh, I got invited backstage by the photographer that saw that, found that I was in recovery. He sent her just kind of talking and said, hey, you know, Mark and some of the guys like have a little AA meeting, you know, after the show. Why don't you come? And so I went, had a chance to visit with those guys. Mark Kendall, of course, had lost a ton of weight at that point. And uh, just said, hey, you know, I was wasting so much time and energy, you know, chasing beer and chasing a drunk and that sort of stuff. And I should have been spending my money and taking my kid to Chuck E. Cheese and uh, and so I feel a sense of kinship with Mark because he is a guy that's in recovery. And when I saw them in Biloxi here a couple of years ago, I reminded him of that. He was nice enough to say that he remembered. I don't believe that he did. Uh, but he was a guy that did a great job. But you know, he did tell me he took a little bit of a, an opportunity to go do a little more research. But I've uh, been sober now, I guess, 12, 13 years. And so uh, I don't think he'd mind me sharing that with you. But this is a guy I think is still doing it at a high level. And uh, really a guy, too, that um, is a blues player at heart. There's a lot of bands from the 80s that are kind of West Coast bands that kind of get tied into the Sunset Strip sound that aren't necessarily, you know, kind of part of that. And uh, I think Great White is one of them. I think Great White is really kind of a rock and roll band with some blues influence. And so I share that with you. I think if, you, if you're unfamiliar with Great White, give them a chance. There's so much more to them. Uh, then the song Once Bitten, Twice Shot. And if you don't know this, this is not on our list. You can say, but Steve, it's their most famous song. It's a cover song. Ian Hunter wrote that song. So it's a cover. And it's great, but we didn't include it in the top ten because it's not an original tune. Okay. And Great White does a bunch of covers. Matter of fact, they did a Led Zeppelin uh, live album where they covered Led Zeppelin uh, songs. Pretty cool. And you can find that on uh, Spotify and Apple Music. Okay, number 10 is the album Rising, and it is the last album with, uh, you know, with Jack as a singer, and the band split after that. Jack kind of has his own version of Great White, it's just, and it's not nearly as good, even though Jack Russell is an incredible singer. Uh, Jack's another guy, too. It's kind of on and off the wagon at times. When I met him in 96, uh, he was uh, very much sober, and... Uh, wish him the best. It's been a very difficult thing. You may recall Great White was uh, playing uh, in the Northeast and uh, they had the pyrotechnics deal where the bar caught on fire and people died and, and uh, Jack went into a pretty deep depression after that and, and certainly who could blame him. Uh, band member also died in the fire. But the last album with Jack was the, the, the album Rising, which was pretty good. It wasn't great. My favorite song on that album has an incredible blues riff. It's really kind of a Delta blues riff to start. And Mark really lays it down well. It's a song called Situation off the album Rising. Number nine, Back to the Rhythm is the name of this album. And uh, really, again, there's a very raw tone to the guitar here. Back to the Rhythm, the title track is really good too. And this is one of those ones too where they wanted to get back to kind of play in the vintage sound you know, they were getting back to traditional great white stuff. Uh, my favorite track on this album is a song called Take Me Down. Uh, number eight, going back to the self-titled album, Great White, their debut. And this is when they're kind of trying to find their sound. This particular album is a bit of an outlier compared to the rest of the catalog because it's really kind of more typical for the time. You know, Don Dockin was kind of involved with the production of this album. And so Great White kind of mimicked a lot of what was happening 
in rock and roll music at the time. And so some of it really, it's got the bigger choruses and things like that, but it sounds, it sounds a little more West Coast than the rest of the catalog. But uh, my favorite song on that uh, album, Great White, is the song Stick It. I think you'll dig that one. And again, you'll hear that when you listen, like if you listen to this list in its entirety, that one kind of sticks out a little bit. I won't say like a sore thumb, but it was when they were kind of finding their sound. Number seven, a great album. I mean, and this is uh, this was released in the mid-90s when everybody was doing the unplugged things, and so Great White did too. Sail Away is a very acoustic-based album. The best song, and it's a very emotional, very raw song. I think anybody listens to it would love it. It's a song called Mother's Eyes, and uh, it is a beautifully written song. It is beautifully performed. It's almost like a lullaby, but again, it's Mother's Eyes from Great White, number seven off the Sail Away album. Number six, Psycho City, an interesting album for them. This this album, a little disjointed, but it has some really high points on it. And at its heart, I think it's really a blues album. And so I went with the Old Rose Motel, which is very much a blues song. And uh, of course, it's about a house of ill repute. But um, it's very, very interesting. Psycho City, again, this is when you kind of, you know, towards the, the end of the crest, right? Like, Greg White had really done well, and then the you know, music was changing. They were kind of fighting to find their identity in a new rock world. And so this album is kind of reflects some of that. Number five, the album is Shot in the Dark. I went with the title track, uh, Shot in the Dark. Now, on this album, you also have a Face the Day, which was a big hit for Greg White, but it's not an original tune. It's actually a song from the Angels. They covered that song. Uh, did a really good job on it. I think there's some greatest hits album that kind of credit them with this song, but it's not their original tune. Uh, but Shot in the Dark, title track, really good one. Number four, the album is Hooked. Uh, pretty interesting album art on this one, uh, to say the least. Drew a lot of controversy and a lot of complaints. Uh, basically, you've got a nude woman uh, being pulled from the ocean on a three-pronged hook. And so a lot of people were upset about that, said it objectified women. Um, all that was standing, no matter what they had on the cover. This is a really, really good album. And again, it's when I think Great White, it's vintage Great White once they kind of identified their sound. And so I went with my absolute favorite song on that album. It's one of my favorite songs in the Great White catalog. It's a track called Call It Rock and Roll. Love it. That's a good time and song in every aspect of the word. All right, number three, I think, and I may be in the minority, and that's okay, but the album can't get there from here. That's your number three album. I think that song, that, excuse me, I think that album is great, and it got released a little bit too late. If this album had been released in the late 80s when, you know, when heavy metal kind of run the show, I think this would have been a massive album. And there are so many great songs on there. Ain't No Shame. Ain't No Shame to Be Loved. It's just incredible. Uh, St. Lorraine is great. They're just probably the first half of that album is probably as good as Great White can be. I mean, it is absolutely phenomenal. But I went with the song, the, the lead track and the first single off this album, a song called Rolling Stone. And, and again, it's about recovery. Uh, you know, two wrongs making a right. I was Rolling Stone. But uh, that's what it's about. It's about looking back at life of debauchery and saying, you know what, I'm, I'm doing good now. And maybe that's why the album is so uh, 
maybe too impactful on me. But uh, they, they were clean and sober when they wrote it, and I think the music reflects that. All right, so here we are. The top two great white albums. And I think we'd all agree these are the top two. You probably may, may disagree with the order because so many people love Once Bitten, Twice Shy. But Twice Shy is the number two album for me. It is not number one. And I went with uh, House of Broken Love as my single. I think that is a very emotional, a very raw song. I don't know all of the, uh, you know, the story behind the lyrics, but uh, it is a very relatable song. I think at some point we've all felt that way. But that Twice Shy album, I, I think it was one of those things, too. It, there, it is a great album, but also, too, I think in some respects, it maybe, just maybe, had some filler that was kind of masked by the fact that it had that massive hit that once bitten twice shot. It's their best selling album. It's two times platinum. You know, when I look at this thing, you know, there's some great ones on there. Mr. Bone is great. That's kind of a playful little song. Uh, people talk about Wasted Rock Ranger, and that's not even their song. People are like, oh, that's great. Like, I didn't put that on my great white list when we listed the songs here about a year ago. And people are like, oh, you didn't do Wasted Rock Ranger. Number one, it's very silly. It's a tongue-in-cheek song, but it's also not an original song. Um, but the Angel song was also a huge hit for them. Huge. Absolutely huge. All right, number one album for me, and to me it's not close. It is the album Once Bitten, which was, if I remember correctly, their third studio album. They had a self-titled album and then Shot in the Dark, and then they really kind of found their groove with Once Bitten. Now, this is one of those albums. There are nine songs on this album. I would say eight of the nine are bangers. Now, that's pretty good efficiency right there. And that's kind of what pulled me in. Because I, you know, I knew the singles, but then once you start listening to the album, you realize there's really not any filler on this album. Uh, it starts Lady Red Light, that opening riff from Mark Kendall on Lady Red Light. You know, it's a song about it's a song about cheating. But uh, it that song is phenomenal. Gonna Get Ya is a playful song there at number two. Really good one. Uh, All Over Now is the final song on side one, because we used to buy cassettes back then. And then uh, Mistreater, the lead track on side two. That, that is incredible. I've heard them play that live. I wish they played it all the time live. Never Change Your Hearts on the Gray One. Fast Road is really good. On the Edge is, is probably, on the Edge is just, that's the one that I look at, even though it's the longest, second longest song on the album. That's one I'm a little bit, oh, okay, it's just okay. Save Your Love was a massive hit for them. Uh, that's back in the uh, power ballad era. But that Save Your Love song stands up to this day. It's not really kind of limited to the, to the time. But the number one song for me, the best song in this album, I think the best song in the catalog is Rock Me. It is the album version is over seven minutes long, and it doesn't feel long enough. There are two incredible guitar solos from Mark Kendall on this album. There is the regular solo, and then there is an outro solo that is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, there are a lot of people that bought this album, and uh, it maybe didn't go quite as well as I think it should have. It goes platinum in the United States, but uh, considering some of the crap that was out there at the time, you know, I, I really think Great White should have been a bigger band. And I think one of the reasons why they're still playing today and while perhaps they didn't have the commercial success that some of their contemporaries did there in the late 80s is that Great White wasn't following trends. They didn't have all this makeup on. They didn't have these, you know, crazy, you know, um, 
you know, pink and purple uh, shirts and things like that. They, you know, they, they just they were just a rock and roll band. And I think there were a lot of people that said, hey, they're really good, but, you know, they, they're not wearing enough makeup for me. You know what I'm saying? It's just, there just wasn't the theatrics with Great White. But um, you know, here they are still playing, still selling out arenas, uh, 13 studio albums. They have nine live albums, too. They put a lot of things out. Of course, they've got a couple tribute albums. I mentioned the Led Zeppelin album. Um, but you can find them everywhere. And, again, still out there. I guess Mitch Malloy is still the singer. Uh, Mitch, a very, very talented vocalist. But And he can pull it off. That's the thing. When you go, when you go see these guys play, you want to be able to hear the music as you remember it. And these guys, again, have been doing it, you know, since the early 80s and still out there touring. And it's phenomenal to me when I go to shows. You know, like you go down to the Hard Rock in Biloxi and you look up and it's like, you know, there's you know, thousands of people there. And a lot of people, of course, uh, kind of getting out for the first time. You know, kids are a little bit older now, you know, so you're not quite as, uh, you're not having to be quite as attentive as mom and dad. You know, your kids can drive a little bit. So let's go get out and have some fun. Maybe go have a drink or two, have, a, have some dinner and go watch a rock show. And maybe you're unfamiliar with what's popular rock music today, so you go back to what you know. And when I saw Great White and Slaughter play at the Hard Rock, I mean, it was it was phenomenal how many people were there and how many people were having a great time. It wasn't a sellout, but it was close. It was great. So there you have it, my top ten Great White albums and my favorite song off each of them. Hope you enjoyed the list. I know many of you will. And again, there are a lot of people, again, you know the hits, but you probably don't know the deeper stuff. And you know, Jack Russell was a phenomenal singer. There are a lot of guys in the 80s that couldn't really sing. You know, so they just played really loud and screamed really loud to kind of cover up the fact they lacked some talent. Uh, but Great great White, a very talented band, and many of the original members are still with the band. How about that? Even though Jack's not with them, uh, Audie and, and Mark and those guys uh, still together. And so there you go. If you have ideas for the top ten list, reach out to us and let me know. You can let Roy know. Find Roy on Twitter at Dogmatic67. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. And then uh, send Roy your DM. Say, hey, Roy, here's the idea. If you send it to me, I can't guarantee you that I'm going to get to it in time. But Roy will put you on the list. He is the keeper of the list. And he always keeps up with what's doing well and what's not. So uh, we pay attention. We do. And the college rock list got a lot of people that responded to that, a lot of people that messaged me and thanked me for doing the list. And uh, it was about time. We should have done it a long time ago. We've done that, so hopefully you guys enjoyed that. If uh, you want to hear how I feel about your favorite band, reach out and let me know. If I hadn't done a top ten list, I will. And a lot of people think, well, I thought about sending you a list. Just send it. We're always looking for ideas. We have a pretty healthy list to pull from. But we're always looking for fresh ideas. It's just like the live album list popped up last week. And I said, you know what? Boom, we're doing that Monday. So you never know. We might jump on your list right away. Uh, And again, thanks as always for your support of the top 10 list. Next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart. I love Campus Bookmart. And I'll be honest with you. I, I didn't shop at Campus Bookmart many of the years when I was coming to Starkville. It was just, you know, easier or perhaps more convenient to just stop somewhere along the way. Then I find out about Campus Bookmark, right off on the backside of campus. Very easy to find. You turn off of 182 right there at the State Trooper section, and boom, there you are. Boom. Boom. Campus Bookmark. Best selection of Mississippi State merchandise. Great people. Great prices. I love Miss Susie. Love her to death. Miss Kathy. They treat me like family, and in my mind, they are my family. They're always keeping up with me. 
they always uh, like my my kids' pictures on Facebook and things like that. You know, those are they're kind of people, and I can't promise you they're going to be your friend on Facebook, but they will do a great job for you. They'll give you an opportunity to buy great Mississippi State merchandise at a very good price. Go by and see their smiling faces the next time you're in town. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. And that's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. All right, let's take a look around the SEC. Let's kind of see what happened last night. You know, and, uh, you know, there's some people out there that didn't play. Uh, Tennessee did play, and they destroyed Belmont 18 to nothing. Uh, I had actually taken a break and uh, uh, in between innings and uh, heard part of the broadcast uh, there at Duty Noble. And uh, Jim Ellis was giving the score to Ron Polk, and Ron says, well, maybe they'll be tired when they get here from running the bases. Uh, so 18 to nothing ball game. Tennessee playing well. Georgia destroys Presbyterian 18 to 3. Lopsided scores all around the league last year, many last night in many respects. Uh, Kentucky, 13-0 winners over Tennessee Tech. Florida walks it off at home. 7-5. Again, Florida beginning to play up to their potential. That's good for the Gators. Mississippi State, of course, 14-4 winners over North Alabama. Auburn, 8-4 winners at the Hoover Met against Samford. It's a little bit of a struggle there, uh, but unlike us, they're able to get it done. Vanderbilt, 7-2 winners over Middle Tennessee State. I know Vanderbilt's back in the polls. A lot of people are thinking, here comes Vanderbilt. There are some flaws within that team I think will be exposed in the NCAA tournament. South Carolina losers at home to the Charlotte 49ers, 8-3. LSU beats Northwestern State, 19-7. LSU played the game, and uh, what's interesting, too, I think it's important to look at some of this stuff at times, uh, Jay Johnson, head coach at LSU, a guy that does things the right way, guy's very well respected in the college baseball community. Not just for what he did at Arizona, but it's because of the fact that people – appreciate his approach to the game. Now, what I'm about to read you is what he said in postgame last night about people canceling these non-conference games at the end of the year. Now, we have done these things before, too. You know, a lot of it's, you know, there's pending weather or whatever, and it's like, well, it's not worth the trouble. We don't want to take the RPI hit anyway. But it's been more open this year. You know, and, and then, of course, Jim Slosnagel at A&M comes out and says, hey, we're not going to play this game. We're just going to tank our RPI. And a lot of people said, hey, I admire the honesty. You know, well, sometimes we're being honest about things that don't exhibit good character. I'm a firm believer that if you schedule the game, you play the game. You should, maybe you should schedule better. I mean, if you're trying to get guys work in that last weekend of the season, it's probably not good to have a game. Maybe play that game earlier in the year when you can let your younger guys get some innings. Because let's be honest, at this point, everybody's kind of arm-weary anyway. Do you really need to play a Tuesday game before the regular season finale? Because chances are that series is going to mean something to you. Why wouldn't you want all your arms on deck? Now, they will be for state because of how we managed the game last night. But you understand my point. But Jay Johnson, head coach at LSU, says this. You guys are going to think I'm nuts 
But tonight was the most important game left on our schedule relative to things we want to do in postseason. I'm glad we got that one out of the way. From an RPI standpoint, you don't want to lose home games. You've seen teams cancel them all across the country so they don't drop an RPI. I don't think Coach Bertman built his program on running away from games. And that's just my opinion. And I'm not going to do that to our players. But we needed to win the game because we played it. Also, that's 20 non-conference wins. That's 20-5 and five outside the league, and that's a good accomplishment for our team. So, here, here to you, Jay Johnson. I understand there are business decisions that have to be made. And I have heard with um, you know, great regularity here as of late, people kind of defending these decisions. Uh, and so, I get that aspect of it, especially if you're, a, if you're a bubble team or a borderline team, and it's like, hey, playing this game could be the difference – yeah, my point is, and, I, and I, I don't know who brought it up on the jeanspage.com message boards. I, I don't know. But what about those teams that need to play? What about those teams that aren't going to be NCAA tournament teams and they're playing for the love of the game? They're playing to represent their families. They're playing to represent their university. And their game gets canceled. So they don't get the chance to go play at an SEC venue. It's like, yeah, maybe I've never played there before. Man, I've been looking forward to this all year. Hey, man, we get a chance to go play at Alex Box Stadium. We get a chance to go play at Bomb. We get a chance to go play at Duty Noble Field. Oh, we're going to cancel that game because you guys aren't good enough to play for us. Because even if we beat you, you're going to drop our RPI to the point that we may not host. And, again, I get the totality of that, but there's got to be a better way. And somebody brought this up and said, what if the NCAA selection committee passed a rule and says, hey, we're going to drop your three lowest RPI wins. You get, you get no impact on your RPI. Kind of like, you know how you have the teacher to throw out your highest and lowest grade? We're going to throw out your lowest RPI wins, and I think that prevents some of this from happening. Now, some people would say, you know, Steve, nobody's going to come to that game anyway. It's better for the university just not to even staff the game. It's like, hey, we're going to have all these people here. Uh, sometimes may have more staffers here than we have fans. And I get that the economic side of it too. But, you know, when I think about what's the right thing to do, well, the right thing to do is to play the game. I mean, how can anybody with any confidence take you at your word moving forward? Okay, we're going to sign a contract to play a game, and then we're not going to play the game. I'm sure there is a financial you know, buyout and penalty and it associates all that. I just, you know, you know, if we were in, in the mix and possibly hosting, you know, we might have found a way not to play the North Alabama game. And I don't know that that would have been the right thing to do. <clears throat> if it boils down to that, if it boils down to one game in the middle of May against a non-conference team, you probably don't deserve it. I mean, you've had all season to build a resume, and it's like, well, let me cut a corner here late because um, you guys aren't any good. Well, I mean, you know, they were good enough for you to sign a contract with. And if you played these guys in April, you would have played the game. But now here we are the last week of May. So I think something needs to be done. I, I think the games need to be played. And if you want to remove the RPI penalty from it, that's probably okay. But I don't know. I just think something's got to change. All right, so let's take a quick look, too. You know, the, uh, the schedule, you know, we're, you know, we get today off. 
and then uh, we're right back into playing SEC baseball this weekend. And, and, and it all starts on Thursday, you know. Um, so there's a lot to kind of keep up with. And so, so let's look at what we have. Auburn is at Kentucky. And we need Auburn to win the series. We need Auburn to sweep. That would be best for us. If Auburn could sweep Kentucky, and I don't know if they can. I mean, Kentucky's playing a little bit better as of late. Kentucky probably going to get a game. Auburn needs to sweep. Missouri is at Georgia. We need Georgia to sweep. Or at least win the series. Of course, Tennessee is here. South Carolina's at Florida. You know, we're not going to catch Florida. So maybe they can take it. We may not catch South Carolina, but we need Florida to sweep. We need these teams we're not going to catch to beat the teams we can. Arkansas is at Alabama. You're pulling for Arkansas. A&M is at Ole Miss. Well, you're pulling on it for A&M on principle. Um, yeah, Ole Miss playing well as of late. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They're going to be at home, too. And uh, I think they found some new confidence. And we talked about this after we beat them. And there were a lot of people that were like, oh, this Ole Miss team isn't very good. It's a very talented lineup. They haven't been able to kind of piece it together most of the year, but now they're starting to play some really good baseball and showed the potential a lot of people thought they had. And so, yeah, Ole Miss team could make some noise. Did they get to Omaha? I don't think so, but well, they got the pitching to get there. But, uh, you know, Ole Miss swinging a pretty good bat. And then LSU was Vanderbilt. So, you know, LSU's not ranked right now. Um, so it'll be interesting to kind of see how they handle Vanderbilt. Is Vanderbilt catching their stride? I don't know. You know, we'll see. I just think there's some some flaws I mentioned. They're second in the East right now, tied with Georgia, uh, is Vanderbilt. And so let's kind of break it down where we are. Mississippi State is 9-18, and 18, which is 13th. 13th. Somebody reported we were 14th. That's not right. Missouri's 8-19. and 19. We're 9-18. and 18. So we're 13th, and uh, Kentucky is 10-17. and 17. Alabama is 10-16. and 16. So we have got to find a way to catch those guys. And, and it, it's going to be difficult for us to get multiple wins. So we're going to need those teams not to win. It's a shame that we're in this position, but that's just kind of where we are. And so – uh, but those are teams that we can look at catching. I mean, you know, we're not going to catch South Carolina even if they get swept. But uh, we could catch Kentucky. We could catch Alabama. You're not going to catch Ole Miss. Ole Miss now 13 and 14 uh, in a big series for those guys. But, um, you know, we could still make Hoover. But realistically, you look at it and say, you know, kind of where do things stand? How do things stand? And uh, it's frustrating. It really is. But at the end of the day, here, this is where we are we got to find a way to go get a couple from Tennessee, the number one team in the country. Are we capable of doing it? Yes. Am I expecting it? No. I do think we get one. And you said, but, Steve, you know, we've been off for the last two weekends. I think there's just something, too. You know, there's a lot of pride in our program, too. And, uh, you know, a lot of guys that, um, you know, have some fond remembrances of last year. And it's like, you know what, hey, and this is our backyard. It's our last weekend at Duty Noble for a lot of these players. So I want to go out and I want to have a good weekend. And it's going to be tough. I mean, this is a Tennessee team. It's almost a machine. They're 46 and 7 overall. Um, you kind of saw this with Arkansas last year, too. You know, as the season's gone on, you know, and people have kind of figured out some things a little bit and watched film, found some tendencies. You know, people are not, um, you know, maybe not as scared of Tennessee as maybe they have been. You know, Auburn went to Knoxville and nearly took two out of three. They lose the Sunday game 5-3. You 
know, they got absolutely destroyed on Friday, 17 to four. And then the next weekend, Kentucky takes two out of three. And then Georgia takes the Sunday, the game three to Saturday game. But those games were, were competitive for the most part. You know, things kind of got away from Georgia on Friday. But this isn't just some invincible machine. They are the best thing in college baseball and in no respects am I, are being, am I in any way uh, undermining the accomplishments of the Tennessee Volunteers. But is it impossible? No. Is it likely? No. But I expect our team to come out and play. Win, lose, draw, rain out, whatever. I, I expect our guy, our kids will come out and uh, will be emotional. You know, I mean, this may be the last weekend of, of college baseball season for them. We're going to find out what they have, what they've got. So um, I'm eager to see what happens. And I'm, I'm eager to see Tennessee in person. Watched them a lot on TV this year. Uh, very eager to see them uh, put a team on the field at Duty Noble Field. And uh, so the fun gets underway. We expect our rotation to stay the same. Uh, we'll play at 6 p.m. Thursday, 6 p.m. Friday, and then 2 p.m. on Saturday. Hope that you can come out and be a part of that. And listen, here's the deal, too. No matter how you feel about the season, if you can get to start for this weekend, at least for Saturday, let's come out and give our champions, the guys that were part of that, you know, a, um, a hearty send-off. You know, they, they know that you guys love them. But uh, it would be nice to have a full crowd this weekend. And not to mention, too, I mean, you, you get to see a really good baseball team play against your team. Uh, we'd hope that this series would be, be more meaningful. But um, at the end of the day, it still means a lot to Mississippi State. You know, this is – you know, we could still get to Hoover. The odds are very long, but we still have some things to play for. And you get to Hoover, you know, you never know. I mean, you know we're not going to get an at-large bid. And we probably – I think we can all agree we don't have the pitching uh, to win the SEC tournament. But, uh, you know, crazier things have happened. And that's absolutely the truth. Crazy things have happened before. So let's just get out there and go try to win the game today. I think there's a song that says that, win the game today, associated with Mississippi State. Uh, So let's go out there and see if we can make some things happen. All right, it's time for the final segment of the show. We're going to talk some college football recruiting today. Starting to get ramped up to that. I told you guys before how excited I am about the Mississippi Delta. We're going to talk about some of the prospects over there today. Mississippi State recently offered another Mississippi Delta product, and uh, I'm really excited about this one. Uh, this segment of the show brought to you by your friends at Portico. You know, Brooks Bryan, former Diamond Dog, and that sounds difficult to say because I think that's a lifelong designation, but Brooks Bryan, part of a pair of Omaha teams in the Late 90s, one for Polk and one for Coach Pat McMahon, 97-98. Matter of fact, Brooks robbed a home run to send us to Omaha. How about that? I don't know if you're familiar with that play. Huge play. One of the biggest defensive plays in Mississippi State postseason history. And Brooks Bryant, the architect of that play. Uh, Brooks involved with a great group that's bringing a wonderful residential development to Starkville Portico. Easy to find. You turn off 82 on the 12 like heading to campus. The very first ride is Pat Station Road. Boom, there you know, you're at Portico. Phase one completely sold out. Still got some time to pick out a lot and some uh, some house plans for some custom builds in phase two. Already got uh, several houses already under construction. You can have one of those. Maybe it's your primary residence. Maybe it's your ballgame weekend retreat. Maybe you think, you know what, one day we're going to retire and start. Well, let's go ahead and start planning that. You're going to want to jump on that now. You want to go ahead and get ahead of the game. 
Portico, the newest in construction, and it's all Bulldogs. All Bulldogs are part of this great group, bringing this wonderful residential development to town. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath home, go all the way up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. Maybe you've got a growing family. Maybe you want to have a place the kids can always come to when it's football or baseball season and have somewhere to stay with family. How nice would that be to have a place and say, you know what? When the kids come home, rather than having to get a hotel and pay some ridiculous rate, they can stay with mom and dad. It's a cool thing. Reach out to Brooks today for more information, 601-416-8075. Again, 601-416-8075. Brooks played with Chris Lauterhaus, and Chris Lauterhaus ran into a friend of mine in Memphis just last week. How about that? Got a text. It was Sunday night. Buddy of mine, Sam, was hanging out, runs into Chris Lauterhaus. How about that? Pretty incredible. They're diamond dogs everywhere. So do business with Bulldogs when you can. And uh, that's who is revolving around all of this. That's who is kind of putting this to be is uh, a group of Bulldogs making Starkville a better place to live. 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. Great. If I was moving to Starkville, it's where I would live. Again, Brooks number 601-416-8075. Okay. I've shared many times I think this is a good year in state. It could be a really good year in-state. Could be. Now, Mississippi State has offered 18 in-state prospects. 18. Now, a couple of those, not really chasing right now. I guess maybe it's 17 at this point. Uh, LaKendrick James at a Northside High School in Shelby, Mississippi, the latest recipient of a Mississippi State offer. Now, I'm told this is a, a committable offer. This is not a situation where it's like, hey, let's offer him and then see how he goes. This is a guy you take right now, a 6'3", 215-pound linebacker, recently released his jamboree footage. They played at Mississippi Delta. This is a very violent football player. Now, I don't know if you know this. Football is a very physical game that is played by people who are very violent on the field. LaKendrick James fits that mold. This guy looks like an SEC player. And I I would submit to you, if LaKendrick James lived in Atlanta, he'd probably have 25 offers. This guy can really play. I don't think he's done adding offers. But I would like to get him in the boat sooner rather than later. He also is very closely aligned with several other Delta players up there that I'm big fans of. I think Mississippi State can fill nearly all of their defensive needs in state this year not a lot of true corners in the state I think Amarion Blakes could be that but it would almost be a shame to waste his foot speed on defense I think I'd almost want him on as a receiver but uh it's a good group I mean it's a really good group on defense we don't have a lot of offensive skill in the state this year you know Aiden Williams I think is far and away the best offensive player he does not have Mississippi State in his current list of favorites and that is unfortunate but it is not a surprise uh, Dan Smith's a guy that we offered under Joe. That's when we were recruiting his brother, Dion State, not really in contact there. And, again, I mentioned Amarion Blakes. If you haven't watched him play, I love his game. I think this guy can really play. I think he's an SEC guy. Got a handful of offers, mainly G5 states on him, and I think it's a matter of him simply coming to camp. You work him out and figure out where he works. And, and uh, again, this is an athlete, and so maybe he works – as a skilled guy on offense, maybe he works as a corner. You know, we'll see how that goes. 
Uh, Kadarius Wade is listed as a receiver at 6'4", 180. Uh, there has been some discussion about taking him as a linebacker. And so when you start thinking about, okay, we're going to take a three-backer class, and you got Kadarius Wade at Callaway, you got Tobias Hinton at Hasburg and LaKendrick James at Northside, let's get it done. I think, all, I think that is a nice collection of linebackers there. When you look at what we signed last year, you start stacking those classes, you feel good. These are all three long, lean guys that can really run. And I'm going to be honest with you, I think LaKendrick James might be the best of the three. That guy hits with bad intentions. You know, it's not a, a matter of him running to the spot and dragging a guy down. He will hit you. He will change your all for you if you're not careful. I absolutely love his game. And I mentioned Blake's too. You know, the state's already offered him. I would like to go ahead and push that and get that in the boat. I, I think Amari and Blake's, I don't care what he's ranked. I don't care who else has offered him. That's the thing about these Delta kids. I go back to what Melvin Smith used to always tell me. Those kids are all are, are genuinely under-recruited. But I had a coach in the Delta tell me earlier this year, it's going to be a good year in the Delta. And one of the best things is this year is a lot of our better athletes have grades. So it's not going to be an issue with them qualifying. And that's always been a concern at times, as you have some guys sometimes, too, that don't even take the right classes in high school. They do enough to stay eligible in high school but not enough to pass the NCAA clearinghouse muster. Now, this year, our coaches and our administrators have done a good job in the Delta. You have some very talented young men. They're going to have the opportunity to college education uh, because they have taken the steps necessary to put them on a path to qualification. Uh, and so, Marion Blakes, I think it's a guy, too. You know, I look up there and I see no stars next to his name. I'm completely okay with that. And I know what's going to happen when some of these guys commit, people are going to be like, yeah, but Steve, they didn't have – it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like Melvin Smith used to tell me, those guys from the Delta are very, very hungry. Those guys are looking you know, for the next step in life. Many of them need football. We talk about Mike Leach. One of the tenets of the Mike Leach uh, football experience is he wants guys that need football. Well, these guys need football because many of them are not going to have the ability to get a higher education without it. Now, look at Amarion Blakes' offer list, and it might need to be updated since then, but he's got to offer some Air Force and Army. Now, I don't expect him to take the military route, but, you know, those offers aren't just handed out to anybody. Mississippi State, uh, the biggest offer, Indiana's been on him a little bit too, Memphis, South Isle, and some others, but uh, he's got Air Force, Alcorn State, Army, Austin Peay, Colorado State, Fordham, Mississippi State, Navy, Penn, uh, and, and a couple other smaller schools. And so you look at that, that offer list doesn't just scream SEC. But the film does. The film does. There's no question. I think when you go watch his film, you're going to be pleasantly surprised. Uh, I do think ultimately that he ends up being a Bulldog. And that's a guy from Shaw, Mississippi, at McEvans High School. I need to get over there. I need to plan a trip soon, go over there, get some up-to-date pictures, spend some time with these guys and kind of find out what's going on with them. And I'll, I'll report back. I'll probably do that here in the next couple of weeks. You know, with college baseball season ending – uh, I need to get on the road and go see some guys, and, and I look forward to doing that. It's always a lot of fun to go do that, kind of take the show on the road uh, and get some information and get some up-to-date pictures uh, from some of these guys. So we'll go drive the state, make some things happen. Now, Dante Kelly, we've talked about him on the show before too. 6'3", 203 pounds. He's listed as an athlete. I think he's probably a backer, could be a strong safety type. But I wonder what's going to happen, you know, when he gets in a college weight room and puts on 10, 15, possibly 20 pounds. 
You don't see a lot of 6'3", 225-pound safeties. But I think you go get that kid. I don't think there's any question. We've talked a little bit, you know, about some of these guys. But, uh, you know, one of the guys that I, I've talked about consistently with you guys is, uh, is Kelly Jones. The fact that we haven't offered him still kind of boggles my mind a little bit. Kelly Jones, in my estimation, and I've been doing this a few 24 hours, is the best player to come out of Clarksdale High School since Charles Mitchell. And that's saying a lot. Clarksdale has one of the best coaches in the state. Not just in the Mississippi Delta, but in the state. And Kelly Jones is a dude. There are a lot of people that look at him and say, you know what, hey, what's he going to be? He's 6'3", 200 pounds. I think he's a safety. But I think this is one of those guys, too, that you look at and you begin to kind of ask yourself, you know, where does he project? He plays quarterback for Clarksdale because he's the best athlete on the field. But when I watch this guy run and I see the length and athleticism this guy has, I begin to ask myself, you know, what are schools waiting for? What are they waiting for? And we've built a program on guys like Kelly Jones. We absolutely have. Guys that are under-recruited, that are from our home state, that have a lot of family support, that need an opportunity. When I start running through this list of kids in the Delta, I begin to think to myself, you know, hey, if you get one of these guys, he's going to go to work on the rest of those guys. I don't know who the super friend is. I don't know who the guy is that is uh, maybe a little more influential than the others. But when I begin to think about Blake's and Kelly Jones and Dante Kelly and uh, LaKendra James, I want all four of those guys. And I know it's not going to add a lot to the rankings, and I don't even care because here's the deal. Rankings are an important part of the equation. You know, when you go back and you think about the Dan Mullen era here at Mississippi State, Dan, not a great recruiter, but Dan was an elite evaluator and developer of talent. You know, the guy took guys like these guys, and I, I submit to you that this collection of guys in this one region of the state are Dan Mullen kids all the way. They're Melvin Smith kids all the way. They're Jackie Sherrill kids all the way. And you go stand at that signing day press conference and you kind of grin to yourself knowing you know something that not everybody else knows. And I suspect before we get ready to play a college football game this year that these four young men are going to be in a Bulldog class. Now, Dante Kelly's a guy that's beginning to see his profile rise a little bit. You know, he's got seven offers right now. More schools are coming. The spring evaluation period is winding down, so a lot of schools have went out and collected film. He's got a, another SEC offer from Vanderbilt. Dante Kelly wants to be a Bulldog. We need him to be a Bulldog. I don't think there's any question about it. That guy can really play. Now, one or two of these guys may turn into, you know, rush ends for us. Maybe they're Sam linebackers for us. I think LeKendrick James is a Mike linebacker all the way. He's already 215, and he wears it well. You look at him running around on film, and you say, you know what? This kid's going to be 225, 30 pounds after his freshman year in Tyson Brown's weight room. That excites me. And so when I begin to think about this class, and I know that there's always these message board experts that say, well, you know, he's got this, and he doesn't have this. Watch the film. Watch the film. I mean, how many times have you had highly recruited kids from the Mississippi Delta? I guess we go back to Gary Green. It's probably Gary Green and Charles Mitchell are probably the last guys to come from the Mississippi Delta. They were highly recruited. Then you look at guys like Bernardrick McKinney. 
it's a guy that we beat a junior college for. And he shows up here and then ends up being an incredible player. Should have been an all-SEC guy. Ends up having an impressive NFL career. Guy was an absolute monster for the Houston Texans. Surprised he's not playing now. But to me, these guys kind of fit that same mold. Guys in tucked away in Delta Towns. And I'm going to be honest with you. There's a lot of guys in college football recruiting that don't recruit those schools. Just because of the fact that there are so many of those guys that look like a million dollars on the field and then, you know, look like a minimum wage paycheck in the classroom. But that's not the case with these guys. So I think we have a chance to kind of get out here and get them committed because it's so difficult to beat the home state school. It really is. And it doesn't matter who it is. Even the Mississippi schools, once they're committed to an in-state school and mom and dad and aunt and uncle and everybody goes out and buys a Mississippi State T-shirt, those kids generally stick. Now, Kelly Jones' situation is a little different. A lot of schools waiting to see, you know, to get him in camp, and Alabama and Tennessee are trying to get him to camp. If Nick Saban wants to see a kid in camp, it's probably a kid I need to pay attention to, right? But I love these guys, and I think, you know, when it's all said and done, maybe they're all mid-level three-stars. I don't even care because they're going to play above it. They're going to develop into four-star players. I'm not a guy that needs to go out here and prop up our recruiting class. I think in the end, when you look back and you look at our best teams – you know, have been primarily teams that have been built on Mississippi guys on defense. And that's not to say we hadn't had some great out-of-state players. We have. But, you know, you look at Montez Sweat, a product of a Mississippi junior college system, originally from Georgia, but came here, had an opportunity to get on the radar. Next thing you know, it's a first-round draft pick, Jeff Simmons, just down the road there, Knoxville County High School. Jonathan Abram from East Marion High School. You know, I could go on and on. We mentioned Jerry Green a little bit earlier up there from Greenville Weston. Bernardic McKinney, you know, from Rosafort. We've had some good players come out of Rosafort over the years. You know, Brandon Bryant's another one. I don't know if he fully lived up to his potential, but Brandon Bryant's a guy also from Tunica. You know, and so when we have qualifiers up there in the Mississippi Delta, we need to go get them. And again, I think this is a an in-state class that is kind of really still under evaluation. I think we're still kind of catching up from the fact we didn't have camps in 2020. We haven't even really had a chance to watch maturation a lot of these players. But I suspect next month's camps, and we're only you know a few weeks away from that, I think they're going to be very eventful. I think you're going to have guys like these guys that show up and kind of show out. Next thing you know, they're going to be committed to this class, and people are going to be wondering, okay, well, who are these guys? Well, I'm telling you now, before it even happens, these guys can play here. You know, I look back at some of our linebacker recruiting. In times, I kind of question myself. And, and I, I said it when we committed to Mar Rogers. I, 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 I just wasn't sure about the take. Just wasn't sure about it. And uh, he recently committed to Middle Tennessee State. Wish him the best. I just didn't think he's going to play here. I just didn't. You know, and you start running down the list here. You know, let's go back and look at linebacker recruiting for last year. Uh, Jave Gilmore, Khalid Moore, and Avery Sledge, I'll take all three of those guys right now. And, again, kind of built in the same mode, mode all of them. Uh, Jave 6'4", 200, Khalid 6'2", 206, and Avery Sledge 6'3", 210, excuse me. But those are guys that can really play. You know, so you feel good about that group. You know, but that hadn't always been the case, though. You know, I, th- I think in some ways we're still kind of getting over the fact we didn't recruit exceptionally well a linebacker during the Joe Moorhead era. 
you know, back in the, the Saudi Robertson class, the class of 2021, you signed John Lewis. You feel really good about him. That's a guy we expect to make some plays for us this year. Deshaun Page had an incredible spring. We expect him to be a difference maker for us. Nick Mitchell, a guy still kind of under development, but of those linebackers that we took that year, I felt best about Nick because he had a little more girth, and he's still here. And, of course, Tamar Rogers has transferred. But, um, again, I thought that was a questionable take. And, again, that's not anything personal intended. I just think there are some kids that can't play here. And uh, I think tomorrow was one of them that was going to struggle to get playing time. I think he saw the writing on the wall after spring and made the decision. You look at that 2020 uh, signing class, Rodney Gross, who was transferred to Arizona State, now he's back in the portal. Maybe the problem wasn't Mike Leach. Tyrus Weed, of course, is back. It's a junior college guy, a kid originally, you know, down there from, uh, you know, in the boot. They're from A. Meet, Louisiana. But, uh, you know, that, that's a class. You know, we're not going to have any of those guys left kind of moving forward. You go back to 2019, linebacker recruiting. You know, this is, again, this, is a, you know, this was a group that I thought that um, in state we had an opportunity to go get some guys, but, um, you know, we didn't do well with linebackers that year. Didn't sign a true linebacker in the class. You know, you got DeMonte Russell's a guy that can kind of move around a little bit for you. You had uh, King Ani, who's now headed to Tulsa, basically as a defensive end, but you didn't have a true linebacker in the class. You know, J.P. Purvis is a guy that you know, unfortunately had the car accident. We're still kind of waiting for things to get going for him, but, you know, we just – it hadn't worked out for us. And so you begin to think about, you know, no backers in this class, and then you sign two and 20 – one, a JUCO guy, and the other guy transferred, you begin to kind of realize there is a gap between the, that great class we signed with uh, Aaron Brule and Jed Johnson and Buki Watson. And, of course, Aaron's moved on now too. But you begin to think about that, that group, and you begin to realize that uh, we have some spots to fill at linebacker. And when I look at this group of available backers in the state of Mississippi, I begin to feel really encouraged about our future. One of the things about those guys in the Delta II, you know, those guys typically won't transfer. You know, getting a chance to come to Mississippi State and, uh, you know, there's a way to kind of get things done. You know, there's a way to get to campus. There's a way to get a college education. There's a way to make a better life for myself. And I think that's an important aspect of all of this is there are a lot of guys out there right now that have a sense of entitlement. Oh, it's going to be about NIL money. That's a good way to get dropped. And I had, I had a college coach tell me recently there are some kids that are going in the portal collecting NIL money and then dropping out of the portal. How about that? That's kind of sinister and gangster at the same time. So when you have these guys that, you know, perhaps are from rural communities in Mississippi, you have a chance to better your life. You have a chance to play closer to home and have your family kind of experience that with you. I think that's huge. I think that's a really big part of things. And those guys will typically stay here and be very grateful for the opportunity. And I'm not saying we got to take those kids in lieu of somebody else. I think in many respects, these are the best players available. And you can get them without a lot of fuss. And you can hang on to them. 
And if you wait till Kelly Jones picks up four or five other offers and all of a sudden we got to take visits and we got to go game day trip here and a game day trip there, we need to go camp here, we need to have this in-home visit there, well, you go ahead and get him committed and kind of get that thing done because the sense that I get from talking to people close to the family is mom wants him here. And uh, if, if and when Mississippi State offers, it's going to be a very short courtship. And so, and maybe that's one of the reasons Mississippi State can afford to kind of slow play this a little bit. Let's at least get him in camp and see. is because there's not a lot of urgency because you realize you got mom in your corner. But come this time next month, I think you're going to see business really pick up here on the recruiting side of things. And I think it's going to be a very Mississippi-flavored summer. I think the dog days of summer are going to be very fruitful, especially on this defensive side in the 2023 class for Mississippi State. So we'll have more recruiting updates as we kind of move forward. Uh, I don't know that we're going to have a commitment before camp. I don't know why you'd push for one right now. But, you know, of course, if Bryce Glenn wants to go, you'd take him. Of course, you know, Seth Davis is going to announce here very, very soon. We do expect it to be Mississippi State. But, you know, I don't think these in-state kids, you really kind of push right now. There's a handful you would absolutely take. But I think right now you kind of coast into camp and then make sure these guys kind of validate your feelings and thoughts about them and you get them in your class and you get going. All right, let's uh, remind you guys, too, if you hadn't done so, uh, Father's Day is coming up. Your dad needs the gift of literature. I can help with that. Go to dogpilethebook.com. That's D-A-W-G-P-I-L-E.com, dogpilethebook.com, and you can get personalized copies of Dog Pile, Flim Flam, Alpha Dogs, Stark Villains. It's a great way to do it. And uh, they have me sign books about once a week or so. It hadn't been as busy as of late. We could usually get together at ball games and get these books signed. But uh, now's the time to be thinking about it. Many of you have kind of put that off. And maybe if you've already got all the books, maybe get Dad a Stark Villain shirt. He'll be happy to have that. He's probably listened to the show and say, you know, I'd love to have that, but it's not anything I'd buy for myself. Take care of that for your dad. You can get it in maroon and white, black and white, assortment of colors. Be sure and check it out. And, uh, of course, Stark Villains gear available at StarkVillains.com. That's going to do it for today, guys. We'll see you all on Friday, hopefully recapping a Bulldog win. Not optimistic, but, uh, you know, hopeful, certainly, as always. I don't ever count the Diamond Dogs out. But, uh, man, it'd be amazing if we could find a way to get a winning weekend and end the year on a, on a positive note or perhaps prolong the year at least another week. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.